slam on the money line, and then roll it over every single time they win. Way out of here. Oh, goodness. The last seven games in which they've come in with rest have all gone under. For three. Plus 115, the price I paid for this, the yeah, I like it. Makes the catch at the 10, and he's in for a touchdown. This is Behind the Bets, the podcast. Welcome in the latest Behind the Bets podcast. I am Doug Kazarian. We are taping this on Wednesday, May 26th. And of course, in the middle of spring, we have to talk NFL. Yes, with Mr. Executive Director John Murray, we will be talking games of the year that the NFL just put out and uh, obviously season win totals have been out a little bit but just to kind of for him to take us what kind of action they've gotten how they go about it and really um, sort of the power ratings and a little MVP talk and I have a play that I've already made so uh, we'll get into that in a little bit obviously ton going on right now with both the NBA and NHL playoffs it's tough to do an in-depth pod again we did it last week with Tim Bontemps so that certainly has shelf life if you want to go check that out but um, we have plays every day on Daily Wager, the TV show, 6 Eastern on ESPN2. Also a weekday Daily Wager podcast, Monday through Friday, which is weekday. Posts around 12.30 p.m. Eastern. And then tons of plays as well on ESPN.com's chalk section. We're doing a running file, much like we do during March Madness, with Daily with the NBA playoffs. So we have Daily picks there as well. So if you don't want to wait till the show or even the podcast, we can get in early before the lines move and things like that. There's a lot of analysis. The whole team, Tyler, Joe, Anita, uh, Andre gets in as well, and I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, but my apologies there. But look, it's it's tons of uh, information and analysis and picks everywhere. Here on the pod, we try to do a little bit more in-depth at times, and this is one of those times. So we're going to talk with Mr. Executive Director about the NFL games of the year and just a little bit NFL talk in general. Kicking is for losers. It's been a while since we had the man on the show, but it's good to be back with Mr. Executive Director John Murray. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I, I figured you'd want to talk to me about like the Clippers or the Lakers mm-hmm. or hockey. I mean, we can't be, we certainly aren't going to be talking about the national football league here on May 26th. No, <laughs> it's a year round sport, Murray. It is a year round yeah. sport. No, we don't have to talk about how in 24 hours, the, the red sea parted for the Lakers to make a nice path to the NBA finals. Uh, it's amazing mm-hmm. uh, how things can, how quickly things can change, but yes, I do we want to talk also- about we could also see this, Kawhi Leonard leaving the Clippers if they lose two more games to the Dallas Mavericks. I think that's something that, that is worth talking about. But I know we can turn the tables over to the NFL because that's what we always seem to be writing the most money on, and it's what all, people always want to talk about. Yeah, exactly. And you guys know how to capitalize on that, and you somehow, somehow, with an extra week of games, did 18 weeks of advanced point spreads for every single game this coming season how on earth do you go about doing that well i think the trickier thing is the totals you know the the nfl point spread it it was a it was a laborious task for the guys that were really the guys that really deserve the most credit for it are ed sammons jeff sherman randy blum and rex byers the totals i think i think is the harder thing to set a lot of uh let's call it big differences in the room on some of the totals but uh consensus was reached on every game and we turned it on, uh, I think, two Saturdays ago. And now we're taking bets on every game, all 18 weeks of the NFL regular season. Yeah, no. So let's uh, – okay, so you went through each game. So did you – I guess first question is, do you just go down week one, week two, or do you go through mm-hmm. each team's schedule? No, we just went uh, from weeks one – from week one to week 18. 
and, okay. and you've got you've got a few different voices in the room. The same way that on Sunday afternoons we set the numbers for the next week's NFL games is you've got a, a group of guys sitting around in our risk room at the Superbook at the Westgate, discussing the numbers, arguing, some childish name calling, and then eventually a consensus is reached and the betting is turned on. Okay, so where do I go next? I guess like power ratings as the teams, that's kind of where you start, right? It's not just like, oh, Eagles, Cowboys, let's just go four. It's you start no. with the power rating difference and then go from there. You've got a, you've got a power rating for each team in the NFL. And the NFL, the NFL sides are probably some of the easier numbers to set, really. I mean, everybody's kind of in the same ballpark when you talk about the, the side markets in the NFL. It's just a matter of, shaping your decisions and, and, and determining where you want to go with these games. Cause for the most part, you know, which sides people are going to be looking to bet. And you know, the key numbers obviously are a guiding force in all mm. of this. What game lines have moved the most? Well, there's not many. If you want to talk about the NFL games of the year, I and mean, we can talk a little bit about week one because there is a market for week one, but weeks two through 18, there's not, I don't know that there's other books that have these numbers up and, for the most part, the, the so-called sharp guys, the wise guys, the guys that are always crying about their limits on Twitter, they're not going to actually gamble on anything unless there's a market set. You know, they don't actually do any gambling. They just want to play our number to a book, a different book, and they want to play for a middle, play for a scalp. That's why they want these gigantic limits, because they're guaranteed to win. There's really no gambling being done from people like that, and that's why there's not a whole lot of action weeks 2 through 18. I won't say that there's none, there are some people that have come in and they've done some gambling and I can highlight some of those games if you'd like, but the, the movements are more like in the half point to one point range. Yeah. Just to update our listeners. So basically what Murray is explaining is if there is a market meaning multiple books with different yeah. lines, at, at least some of the games, not all the games uh, they want to bet ideally a minus three plus four, something like that, or even a minus three minus one ten. another book plus three plus one fifteen. And a five cent mm-hmm. scalp adds up if you have liquidity and they're not really betting 50 grand. They're really only betting five grand on a side. If it's minus three plus four, because the worst they can do is lose 5,000, right? If, if, you know, team wins by 10, yeah. they're only going to lose the $5,000 juice, assuming one ten, but they could win 50 because it could land three or four. So they're get, right. essentially getting 10 to one odds on a game and that's why three or four. so that's that's sort of what the math guys do are really just betters there, there's a difference between a, yeah. a professional gambler and a professional handicapper professional better so betters kind of go through that arbitrage concept but betters will take positions on these games of the year because they think they have an edge yeah that, that's well said because you know the, the guys that are there's a difference between a gambler and a better the guys that are always howling about limits are guys that, like you just said they're they're risking very little to win a lot. That's why they want to bet as much as they possibly can. They're not doing any real gambling. We have had a few people that have gambled on a few of these, though. And I, I said earlier that we, they've moved maybe a half a point on a couple of them. They took the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins, they played the Bills week two in Miami. They took three and a half. We went to three. They took the Vikings plus three and a half at the Cardinals. That game's week two as well. We moved that number down to three. They took the Vikings again later in the season. They're at the 49ers. They took seven, and we went to six and a half. And then the Dolphins again. We had guys laying Dolphins minus one and a half. They played Jacksonville. That game is in London, and we moved that one to two and a half. So you you see some small moves there, half point, one point moves on a couple of these games where guys that actually are gambling 
they think maybe our power rating is not high enough on the Vikings or on the Dolphins, and they think the number they're taking it now because they think when that game kicks off later in the season, later in the year, they'll they'll beat the closing number. Right, and you talked about it earlier, referenced it, just the NFL, like the, the moves are a half point, one point. There is a sports book in town that did college games of the year, and I know DraftKings also did some as well. And obviously because of college football, the nature of it, you're going to have more line movement mm-hmm. because I, I know betters and I know there are more that I don't know that actually have taken positions on a lot of games just because the middles will be far wider than minus three plus four, you'll get some, a, a change in favorite. Like it'll be minus four and the other, and then by, by kickoff in October or November, it'll be like plus four. Um, so yeah. there's significant movement in the college games of the year. So that's why it is, uh, there's going to be more open positions in that regard, but you don't see it as much in the NFL. And for, for the right reasons or logical reasons is lo- people don't love tying up their money. They'd rather tie their money up in other markets that they can get a bit a similar return in a shorter amount of time whether it be like soccer euros this summer or college baseball world series or just the weekend week out of the nba playoffs just just tying up your money for like a november nfl game that you think you have minus three instead of minus three and a half like is it is the juice worth the squeeze and that's why there's limited uh handle especially when there's not even a, a another book to kind of play off of I, I like the peek behind the curtain of what you're going to be doing this summer, by the way. <laughs> Call, the, the, that, that was fun. Uh, and then you're absolutely right about everything you said, by the way. But also, like, we know that some of these numbers, maybe on a Sunday night game, are going to be a little higher when it kicks off to the favorite. But we don't need to go to those numbers now because the only people looking to bet on these NFL games of the year right now in May are wise guys. And they're usually more like, likely to take the dog. That's a generalization. It's not always true. But I know that some of these Sunday night and Monday night games are going to be higher to the favorite when we have all the parlay liability building those teams. But we don't need to go to those numbers yet because right now it's pretty much exclusively sharp action. Like, for example, week That's one. That's a great point. You have a different customer base now than yeah. you do week to week. You know, week one, you've got the Bears and the Rams. That's the Sunday night game. I know we're going to need the Bears. And we also have the Monday night game Ravens at Raiders. That's going to be that's a tougher one. I mean, if it wasn't the hometown team, the Raiders, I know we would need them for our lungs. We probably still will need them because the public is going to back the favorite, the Ravens, the road favorite. However, we don't need to go to any crazy numbers now because we're just getting sharp bets on those games at the moment. And the numbers come down there because I like the Ravens a lot. And the numbers come down from five and a half to four. Is it still four right now? Yeah, well, that was one of the games we talked about the most. It is still four. We actually opened at three and a half, even though we saw some other books around the country at, I think, I want to say six, if I have that correct, maybe five and a half, six. We like the Raiders a little bit more than that, and that's why we opened a little bit of a lower number at three and a half. I think we're going to probably need the Raiders pretty big in that game. I know they're the hometown team, but the way we're positioning it, I think we'll probably need uh, we'll probably need Las Vegas in that game. That's going to be a tough ticket, man. And it's the long Monday night game too. It's the long yeah. It's the only Monday night game uh, that the company asked me what game I would want to go to, and I said uh, I'll go to that one, but I don't think I'm a big enough shot to get into that game. Uh, That's going to be for the the higher ups, I think. Monday night football, the debut of Allegiant Stadium for a regular season game. I tried to get a season uh, credential. Tried to get not a season, excuse me, a game credential for the opening game last year. No dice, but that was during COVID. Maybe I can do it this year. Sure, um, sure. I'd have to get Adam Hill, a recent guest here on the podcast, uh, <laughs> head of the draft, uh, to pull some strings and and uh, you know 
grease the wheels and, and put in a. He's a very influential young man. I mean, if he can't if he can't get you in, I don't. I think you're just gonna have to watch it at the bar with me, buddy. Yeah, but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that last year when we did that with the sure. Sam man. Um, so uh, you mentioned one thing that I wanted to. I took note of, and I want to ask you right now is. You said that they, they bet the Vikings later in the season against the Niners. I'm curious, when you do yeah. these lines, does a power rating on a team like the Niners, who might have a rookie quarterback, by that time obviously better than earlier in the season? There's a, there's a growth process. I know I, I factor that in when I look at college futures and some games of the year in November versus like September, if you have a young team, especially a team that's lost a lot of guys through the transfer pro portal. I wonder, do you do factor that in with a, such a high-profile position like quarterback? with the potential of Trey Lance evolving under Shanahan? I think the better probably did. I mean, we're talking about a game here that's week 12, November 28th. Uh, the opportunity, the, the possibility exists that Lance will be the quarterback by then, and maybe that's why that customer decided to take seven on with the Vikings on the road. I don't know that there's a huge difference between Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance because Jimmy Garoppolo is not somebody that we've, you know, really had a high power rating number on in the past. It's not like if Jordan Love were to replace Aaron Rodgers, and which would throw everything out of whack. But, yeah, we're looking well, – the hardest thing about making these numbers was knowing who is going to play quarterback for certain teams towards the end of the season. Like, I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be the Texans quarterback week one, but will he be the Texans quarterback week 12? Maybe. Right. And that was really the hardest thing – that was probably the hardest thing to do when you're talking about these numbers. And, and you bring up a great example, too. I don't think the 49ers invested the third overall pick and multiple first-round picks in Trey Lance to have him sitting on the bench come the end of November, December. I don't believe that. I think he'll be the starting quarterback of the 49ers by then. So you have to look at it like that. And we definitely had those discussions. Aaron Rodgers' discussions were another oh, tricky one. Uh, I actually think the Deshaun Watson one was the harder, the harder thing to handicap. You know, it's – You've got this guy, I think he's 25 years old. He's one of the best players in the NFL. We don't know if he's going to be on his team this fall. We don't know if he's going to be suspended for the first few weeks of the season, the first half of the season, and nobody's even talking about it at all. It's a very strange situation. We think that there's about a 70% chance that Rodgers is going to be the Packers quarterback. We don't believe he would walk away from that much money with several prime seasons left. We, we do think Rodgers is going to be the Green Bay quarterback, and our numbers reflect that, about a two-thirds, 70% chance. But I don't know what you do with Deshaun Watson. It, it, that, that's a very difficult situation there. It is, and I've talked to odds makers over the years for various uh, markets like this, and what I've learned is that, you know, especially like the NBA with load management and stuff like this, like you guys don't have it that tough because you're going to get two-way action on a lot of stuff, right? You're going to be like, well, it's it's a guessing game for us as much as it is them, but it's the yeah. betters that only have one side in these situations. So I feel for the betters more than I do you guys as long as you have a ballpark number. That hurts a little bit because I, I just know. I went on that I whole know. diatribe there looking for sympathy, looking for sympathy <laughs> votes, and and you're just saying no, you don't have any. You have that some. Sucks. You have uh, some yeah. to get the ballpark number. <laughs> Well, I just think the Deshaun Watson situation is very unique. I can't recall any situation like this where there's just no clarity at all. Uh, is Houston still looking to trade him? Is is Houston going to suspend him? Is the NFL going to suspend him? There's just It's just something that's not being talked about. It's a very odd, very unique situation. So that one has been a little bit more challenging. The Aaron Rodgers one, um, 
we, we've dealt with situations like this before where we weren't completely positive that a guy was going to be with his team several months down the road. Uh, this, it's, it's a little unique just because he is such a great player. But I wouldn't say we've never seen anything like it before. You sort of experienced this with the NBA in the futures. The futures is where you're liable, whether it be going back to 2010 with LeBron to the Heat, and even ever mm-hmm. since then, the Nets. I mean, I'm sure you guys had some exposure on the Nets as well. I think there is, there's definitely concern in Brady with the Bucks a year ago. So I, I imagine there's been some exposure in that regard in other sports or even football with the, uh, with the futures market. Well, I think, I think I'd say for sure that of the teams that we really think can win the Super Bowl, and this might be a little unfair to the Rams because we do have a big liability on them as well, but Tampa Bay is our biggest concern. You know, we, we've taken pretty significant bets on the Buccaneers. We had one gentleman bet 10000 uh, 10, excuse me, $8,000 at 12-1 to 1 on the Buccaneers. Another guy bet 10000 at 8-1. to 1. One guy bet 18000 on the Buccaneers to win the NFC at 4-1. to 1. So we, we've got a pretty big lo- – and then also they're a very popular public team, as you can imagine. They're bringing back that band that just won the Super Bowl. They have Tom Brady. The public is all over the Buccaneers. They're, 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 they've become a pretty big liability for us. But, you know, from what I've seen over the years, usually just bringing the band back together for another run doesn't work. You know, you've you got to have your, your principal key players – and then you, you change the supporting cast around them, I think, is the better way to go. But the Buccaneers I went the opposite direction of that. It sounds like they just brought back all 22 starters. We'll see how that plays out for them. But certainly the public is liking the Buccaneers quite a bit this season. Yeah, first Super Bowl champ to ever do that, bring back all 11 starters on both sides of the ball. I know a sharp guy who bet um, Brady 20-1 to and 18-1 to to win MVP. Yeah, we we've Maybe we haven't really been hit on there. we haven't really been hit on Brady in the MVP pool. You know, we've been hit. Uh, uh, one guy bet us Mahomes. He t- he bet five thousand at five to one, and obviously Mahomes' talent level is is on another another level from any player in the league, in my opinion. And if the Chiefs have stabilized the offensive line, certainly he's he's the favorite to be the MVP. And then uh, a bet that really caught my eye was we had a guy bet twelve hundred on on Dak Prescott. Hmm. At twenty-five to one, to win the MVP, which wasn't really a bet I was expecting, but there's no question that the talent level in Dallas is very high, and certainly a very winnable division, the NFC East. It's funny you mentioned Mahomes. Um, I actually wagered a similar amount, and I got plus five fifty. I think when they short up the offensive line, and mm-hmm. you know last year we got kind of sidetracked with some of the Russell Wilson when he was the favorite. Ultimately, it's going to come down to the quarterback of a one or a two seed. And I do think the Chiefs' schedule is tough, but I just think they're going to be on a war path uh, coming off the loss. Maybe there's a Super Bowl hangover for them, too. But I just think Mahomes healthy, that offensive line short up, and he is just ridiculous. I don't think it's going to be anything higher than 550 at any point during the season. And so, yes, we might have an outlier again like we've had in recent years, whether it be Lamar Jackson, even Rodgers was about 25 to 1 last year. It's just hard to fathom. Mahomes not being in the conversation and then gradually throughout the season teams will start suffering losses much like the Seahawks did and other MVP front runners and ultimately you're less seeing the Chiefs among the top seeds and like oh yeah Mahomes is the best player in the league and having not won it last year you don't have the voter fatigue component so I liked Mahomes and I got plus 550 I thought that was a good price I I heard that there was a six to one a couple places in the market at one point but five to one seems to be the consensus so I'm yeah, all in five, on the Mahomes. Five was, our, 
Favre was our opener, and, and we, we got dinged on it. And You mentioned Aaron Rodgers. No one's betting Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP. We've got 12-1 to on Rodgers. Josh Allen also at 12-1. to yeah. Brady, we had to lower from 12-1. to We had him at 20, took 1,500 to win 30K on Brady. We brought him down a little bit. Justin Herbert is a guy uh, – I hear people kind of buzzing about him. Extremely talented player, good team there in Los Angeles. He's another guy to keep an eye on. And then a guy that we've actually built up, I believe, our biggest liability on is Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, we opened him at 25-1. to 1. He's on the Rams now. Better coach, I would say, to put it mildly. So Matthew Stafford, a guy that uh, people are I like are it, but I think on. it's a little too chic. Again, I don't see the Rams because they're in that division, and there's going to be a lot of cannibalization being the yeah. one of the two seed. That's, that's the concern I have. Now, will he put up? great numbers will he be a giant like i think the lions are a legit candidate to go in 17 i know people say that but um <laughs> yeah. there's really I, I don't i don't see them favored in, in many games if, if well, maybe one or two but um i think that if they go oh and whatever 15 14 he's gonna get that's gonna be a feather or a bullet point on his mvp resume just like look what happens when he leaves so i i do like the concept and a 25 to 1 i certainly can understand it but i i wonder if the rams are just gonna have too many tough games very, very tough schedule. Uh, the NFC West looks ex- extremely deep this season. There's a 49ers team that was really one third down stop from probably winning the Super Bowl against Kansas City two years ago. They were just ravaged by injuries last season. Rams are a very good team. Seattle's got an MVP-level quarterback. And then Arizona is one of the trendiest teams in the NFL after some off-season acquisitions. Young quarterback there. I don't love Arizona. I'm a I'm – a, my belief is that Kingsbury kicks too many field goals. Let's just say that. <laughs> Kingsbury lets me down. This guy's always kicking stupid field goals. I don't get it. This is a guy that was a, an offensive genius in college. He's a young guy. He's like the last guy I would think would be kicking short field goals, but he does it all the time. Uh, I, I don't know about Arizona. I think they might be the team that's on the outside looking in because that NFC West is so good. Question for you. You mentioned you're not high on the Cardinals. Who are you guys high on going back to the games of the year? Who kind of power rating um, teams that you didn't expect that you would be as high on that you are? Well, 49ers. I mean, the 49ers, are, they're, they're going to get – they're getting – or they are healthy, I should say. They, they had so many guys go down with injury last season. We like Kyle Shanahan a lot. I, I'd say the 49ers are a team very poised to bounce back. And then it's trendy team, but we can't – you know, we can't get away from the Cleveland Browns. You know, we, we really like what they've been doing in the offseason. We like Stefanski. We like Baker Mayfield. They are just loaded on both sides of the ball. It's just really hard to see them not going even further than they did last season. And, you know, last season there was really – they were right there with the Chiefs in that divisional playoff game in Kansas City after they crushed the Steelers the week previous in the wild card round. What's not to like about the Cleveland Browns this season? I don't know. I, the, the Browns should be a team that has a very good year. You know, it's funny. Uh, I bring this up a lot in the NBA, uh, Eastern Conference, whereas let's not dismiss the Bucks because of a guy who's no longer on their team, i.e. Eric Bledsoe, right? Like, and then the Sixers, let's not dismiss them because of a previous regime, whether it be Brent Brown and then the roster construction prior to Daryl Morey's arrival. So, I think with the Browns is, yes, they have not won an opening game, season opener since 2004. They have been a punching punchline for so long sure. and a punching bag while we're at it. But it's a, I mean, look, coach of the year, things have changed, and we cannot be 
fooled by their uniforms or whatever. So you got to trust what you see and, and the power ratings and all that good stuff. So I certainly can get behind that. Yeah, and, and you know, the Steelers are a team that look like they're in a position to take a step back, uh, getting a little bit older there, Big, Big Ben's getting older. I don't know. I mean, you never want to count them out because that's such an outstanding organization. But they're a team that we've got pretty squarely in third in the AFC North right now. Baltimore and Cleveland are ahead of the Steelers in our, in our minds. And Cincinnati is building a young roster, but I, I think they're still going to be a year or two away. Interesting. Uh, I'm curious because remember everyone listening, probably not in full NFL mode, but they started the year 11 and 0, hit a bit of a wall in December, had those yeah. three straight road games, and uh, Sunday night they kind of folded in the second half at Orchard Park, crumbled on I think on a Thursday to the Redskins, had the game like one at halftime, and then just kind of Monday night. Uh, it was a Monday night game. I remember watching night, okay. that. Uh, I remember watching that. It was uh, we were. We, I remember watching that game in Lake Las Vegas after we played Reflection Bay. Mm. We just I've it was like that. There, there Murray. Was, Hint, hint, there I've was, never played there. <laughs> there was two Monday night games, if you remember that. And and, and the early one was, was Washington-Pittsburgh, and the Steelers were 11-0. And, uh, and, the, and Washington won the game. It was very bizarre. I remember that very well. Questionable uh, ruling at the end of the first half when Alex Smith yeah. like took the ball with him, and then they put time back on the clock, and they were able to get a field goal. Anyways, <laughs> I, uh, I, I got that confused with like that. Wednesday games. Uh, uh, the, whole, the whole season's yeah. a blur. But I will say this. Um, it is fascinating to look at the spreads throughout the year. And there's nothing that like jump out. I'm like, Oh, I got to hit that one. Like it's really tough. And there's just moving parts. And so much of it is situational playing in the NFL, right? Teams typically don't go undefeated. We just talked about the, the, the Steelers hitting a wall. We do see upsets. It's all about big games. Like the one that everyone's talking about is the bucks going to the Rams. I believe in week three, their first road game. And then week four, they're in Foxborough and obviously Brady going against Belichick. So the question is, is that yeah. a look ahead spot? Like, there's situational handicapping that's really fascinating in all sports. And with the NFL, off a big win is such a big thing. And you just don't know what happens the previous week. Yes, you know the back-to-back-to-back or three straight road games or whatever. But there's also like off a big win. And then that's really hard to kind of project throughout the season. I'll never forget Raiders had that Sunday night performance against the Chiefs, nearly beat them. And then Mahomes went down the field. It was such a high profile. And and I was yeah. just looking at the calendar. I'm like, who do the Raiders have next? And it was at Atlanta, <laughs> who just yeah. got smoked. And I was like, Atlanta's the bet of the week. And they're like minus three. And they won by, I think, 50 to three or something. It was just, it was one of those times where it's just like the results just dictate your action the next week. So it's really hard to do some of those advanced lines. It's funny, Buccaneers Patriots week four, that's the Sunday night game, October three in Foxborough. That's got to be the highest profile NFL regular season game that I can even remember. Tom Brady returning to Foxborough to take on Bill Belichick and the Patriots. We have zero bets on that. Okay. That's a good number. Three and a half, right? Uh, Yeah. Three and a half. But that, but that's a great example of what we talked about on the top of this piece, where if the parlay liability is building that day, the Buccaneers will not close three and a half. I can tell you right now, especially if the Buccaneers are coming in after some impressive wins. If we're stuck a big number to the Buccaneers, which I think we probably will be, you're going to see a higher number than that on Sunday Night Football. Who's your highest power-rated team? Kansas City, I, I think. I, I would still give Kansas City an edge over Tampa Bay. Like you, talk, you talked about it earlier, they've shored up their, their offensive line, at least on paper. And I, to me, Mahomes is just so clearly the best player in this league. I don't even think it's debatable. Uh, I would say Kansas City's got to be considered number one. It's kind of reflected in, uh, I think the game is week 
two, the the Chiefs play at Baltimore, and that game is a pick 'em in Baltimore. That should tell you how highly we think of the Kansas City Chiefs. Fascinating. Who's your lowest rated team? Is it Houston? Uh, I think it's got to be Houston with with, Tar- with uh, Tarod Taylor at quarterback. We'll see. I kind of liked what Detroit did in the draft, uh, so I don't. We'll see. Obviously, if Deshaun Watson becomes the Texans' quarterback, that changes. I think Watson's one of the best players in the league. And then Detroit would have to go to the bottom of the pile for now. Did the Lions draft players with robust kneecaps that you can eat? Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll see. Succulent I, kneecaps. Yeah, <laughs> I like uh, I, I like some of the guys they picked. I don't, I don't know about that coach though, and I certainly don't know about Jared Goff. Uh, to say to say the least, but yeah, I, uh, I right do know about Jared Goff, so yeah. I, I can help you there. Not good. Um, right now, the Lions uh, got to be the Lions and the Texans look like the two worst teams, and then we'll see what happens with Baltimore. I know there was uh, some rumors about Julio Jones being traded to a contender, maybe Baltimore, maybe San Francisco. I find that kind of hard to picture because he makes so much money. I think it's a, he's a hard piece to move. But if a guy like Julio Jones were to go to the Ravens or the 49ers, that would help them considerably, but not enough to really jump them over over Kansas City or Tampa Bay. I will leave you with this. It is mm-hmm. fascinating that a team that went 1-15, losing its final 15 games last year, has a coach who's never coached in the NFL and a rookie QB and their favorites on the road in week one. That's hard to do. Yeah, it's really it's it's one of the more unique games I've ever seen, but it speaks to how good we think Trevor Lawrence is going to be. I think he's the best quarterback to enter the league since Andrew Luck in 2012. Urban Meyer's track record, I mean, he's got a very good track record. Everybody respects Urban Meyer. But the main thing is just we think the Texans are going to be so bad without Deshaun Watson. That's why they are a home dog week one. And I can tell you this right now, nobody is going to be looking to bet on the Texans on September 12th, and we know that. Oh, I love it. The great equalizer of the point spread. And it obviously offers um, a lot of uh, a lot of conversational topics. Mr. Executive Director, it's been way too long, both Mm -hmm. on the podcast and in person. We need to connect soon. uh, And it was good to connect here on the pod, my friend. Yeah, let me know. We can hit the links again sometime. And anytime you want me on the show, I'm happy to come on. But thanks for having me on. Yes, I deserve the blame. I did cancel the last time. So it's on me. It was on (laughs) me the last time. All right. All good. Later, buddy. Sounds to me like you guys a couple of bookies. And that'll do it for this edition of Behind the Bets. want to thank Mr. Executive Director John Murray and all of you for listening, downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that fun stuff. Again, Daily Wager, weekday podcast, about 12.30 p.m. Eastern. It posts also the TV show. We are Monday through Thursday this week. No Friday show, and then we're back at it Monday morning on Memorial Day. So we'll have an early edition and then tons of content on ESPN.com's chalk section. Hope everyone's enjoying the NBA and NHL playoffs. Enjoy the football talk as well. And we'll see you back here next week.